0: Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's message is not intended for little ears. We'll be discussing some adult themes, and I want you to be aware before you listen to this message. Layman Property Management Company has the apartment you will be able to call home with over 1,600 apartment units available in central Illinois. Visit them today at MidwestShelters.com or visit them on Facebook. Thank you for joining us for part two of this meaningful conversation. If you joined us yesterday, you'll remember Jeremy Keaton is my guest and we're going to receive his care and guidance for both wives and husbands who have been impacted by the husband's sexual sin. Jeremy's going to pick up where we left off yesterday as he points us to the only true way we can overcome devastation from sexual sin in marriage. Here's our chat. What does a couple's sexual intimacy look like after this discovery about their husband's secret sin?
1: Yeah. Well, obviously this is very, very rattling to the sexual relationship and Many women are going to wonder, is it okay that I do not really feel inspired and drawn and attracted to have sex after I find this out? And, you know, we hear that that often. And yes, I mean, that is normal. It's going to be normal to have that occur. But the other area that sometimes happen because our sexuality is so individualized and every person is so different, there's another category where a couple, maybe a wife, will will think, well, if I, I just do more sex and make myself more sexually available, maybe even try some of the things from the pornography that I have seen or that my husband says he's seen, that somehow that will solve the problem, right? That's a heresy, a sexual heresy as well, where sometimes you you're pouring yourself into pornified sex or just more sexual frequency as if that will solve the problem, and so you you can have both reactions, and what's so key is having a, a mapped out plan that is specific for what's going on in your marriage is key, and an outside helper that can help counsel and look at your particular story. There may need to be a time of a sexual hiatus, a break, especially if addiction has um, really affected the man's brain, but it needs to be very planful as the sobriety is established and for a limited period of time and with clear communication and structure around it. Sometimes people in recovery will take a sexual pause under the guidance of their counselor. Not everyone will need that pathway in their recovery, but many will. And then you begin to reintroduce healthy sexuality and interaction with intentionality, and with safety and with a plan. Sometimes, Laura, uh, I want to point out that things have gotten to a place where there has been infidelity, physical infidelity, and there's going to need to be a complete sexual stop while sexual transmitted disease testing occurs. That's another reason that you need someone with you, guiding you through, giving you dignity and hope and safety Uh, Medical helpers, a counselor, if there's been infidelity, is the best way to recover because you're going to need help thinking about these things. Many people don't even realize, oh, there is the chance I need to look at my physical health because of this sexual sin, especially if there's been other interaction. So, yes, there's a lot of areas where um, there needs to be sexual consideration, but we do want to rebuild and reignite in a safe way the sexual relationship of a husband and wife in due time and with the right cadence and with the right vision for healthy sexuality. And that's where I get very excited in seeing that once we go through the early stages, whatever you need to do as a couple, whether it involves a sexual pause, the testing, And kind of putting a cast, if you will, like a broken bone, you put a cast on the relationship and then you allow it to regrow safely. Then where I get excited is helping people see that our sexual relationship has meaning and purpose and a power and spirituality to it that we weren't focused on or even educated about before. That is later on in recovery but when people start to realize once they get a clear head and they realize that their sexual relationship is so sacred that they need to be protecting it and thinking of it as actually a spiritual thing right Ephesians chapter 5 some spiritual vision for the meaning of marriage as you read Ephesians chapter 5 then they begin to see their their new sexual relationship can be infused with actual spiritual meaning, not pornified meaning. There's so much to talk about there. There is a chapter in the book Casting a Vision for Meaningful Sexuality which pornography has been robbing. So, those are a few comments, Laura, about the sexual relationship. It's like a landmine has gone off, you know, in the marriage and there's going to be some different reactions. Uh, for each couple on how to sort out their sexual relationship after this, but it can be done.
0: It can be done. And that's such a gentle reminder that it is mind, body, spirit, that you keep revealing how holistic and meaningful recovery is going to involve all of those aspects. It seems that both partners need care and guidance So, Jeremy, what would you say both men and women need to know?
1: Well, men, and I hope that maybe um, men will hear this after their wife does or maybe they've stumbled upon it. I just want to say to men, you can regain your integrity. You need to know that. It may feel impossible. You may have been in cycles of, of shame and craving, and withdrawal of addiction, and you've tried and you've promised yourself over and over that that you're not going to do this again, but you've probably never deeply gotten help. And I want you to know you can regain your integrity, and you also don't have to earn God's love. He didn't love you more or less on any day. It's always been. Full-on, complete love and desire for you to gain victory. So I want men to hear that amount of calling and of God's love. One thing, though, that I want men to hear is that you can't get into recovery as a performance for your wife. You have to get into recovery because you want your integrity for you. Whether your wife stays or leaves... As hard as that sounds, your recovery has to be for you and for your integrity. You're going to have a journey of recovery whether a divorce does happen. You don't control your wife, but you, you do control your integrity. And so start to focus on I want recovery for me, not merely as a carrot that I'm chasing to get my wife back and happy. When you start to have that attitude, oddly enough, that's the very thing that often bring safety to a wife, and will over time, if she is divorce-minded or hurting so badly, if she observes that steadiness over time that you want your integrity for your own sake, that's when it begins to resonate with her and she may just take a step closer back towards the marriage. So grow in your sense of self, men. Let her see you. And then a big thing for men is patience, patience, patience. As soon as you say, why aren't you trusting me? It's been six weeks since I acted out, or it's been how how much longer till you trust me? You will shatter her, her delicate heart if you're not patient. And just learn, get the skills, get the counseling to stay emotionally present with your wife. She's going to be triggered for a good long while. She'll be watching a movie, and something on that movie will... Remind her of this similar aspect of your own story, and she may go into a moment of hyperventilating, right? Like PTSD in that moment. You've got to be patient and realize that she's gone through a trauma, and you staying emotionally present and working your recovery plan over a long period of time that is going to heal over time. But you have to be patient and gentle and take ownership. These are big big steps, but they are part of growing your integrity back. And you can see why you need help in brothers along the way to do this. That's for men. Vision for wives. I just want to say again, you didn't cause this. And yet you do need to be in care and recovery yourself. You deserve the help as well. Many times, Laura, I'll draw this word picture. It's like If the wife wasn't using pornography, she didn't know this was going on. She was in the passenger seat of the car and there was a car crash. She wasn't driving, you know, she didn't cause the crash, but she, because she was in the car, she hit her head. She has a scrape, she has a wound because she was in the passenger seat. The wife needs to know you can't merely just send the husband off to get fixed and then come back. You have been in the passenger seat of this crash and you have to consent to getting in the ambulance and getting checked out and getting some aid as well when the ambulance comes. And so that's the tip I want to give a wife is you also have a recovery and I encourage you to embrace it rather than resist it. Often there's anger like, why do I have to be in recovery? I didn't have anything to do with this. But you need to realize By virtue of the oneness of marriage, you're in the passenger seat, and you deserve some care, and you need some care. And also you may even discover there are beautiful changes that God, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is inviting you to, okay? You don't want to be caught in self-righteousness because we we all sin in different ways. And finding a way to model your own walk with Jesus and your own humility to – Grow in being who you want to be as a wife. This is an opportunity for that. But back to the root. You didn't cause this. This is not your fault. But part of biblical restoration for the marriage is that you're going to get the benefits of growing yourself as you press into this. And you'll have the benefits of a stronger marriage afterwards because you may discover things that you want to and need to change that the Holy Spirit is working in on you. Again, not because you caused it, but because he's so good that he's going to take this opportunity to retool your entire marriage. And you're part of that marriage, and there may be things that you need to repent of and change. Again, not because you caused this, but because we all are in a journey of sanctification and growing. And God's going to grow this whole marriage if you deal with this holistically.
0: And I think that's freeing to hear both of those encouragements for each gender. And now a brief message from our sponsor. With over 1,600 apartment units available and with every price range covered, you will have plenty of options when you rent through Lehman Property Management Company. They have townhomes, duplexes, studios, and garden-style options located in many areas throughout Pekin. In Peoria, a historic downtown location and apartments adjacent to the OSF Medical Center provide excellent choices. Check out their brand new luxury property in Peoria Heights overlooking the boutique shops and fine dining on Prospect. And in Morton, they offer a variety of apartment homes with garages, a hot downtown location, and now a brand new high-end complex near Idlewood Park. Their beautiful, spacious apartments with private garages in a quiet but convenient location await you in Washington. And if you're looking in Canton, don't miss Village Square Apartments. Stop by their website at MidwestShelters.com. What specific lies do you notice both spouses often believe in the midst of this?
1: Well, because this is about sexuality, I often see the sexual heresies uh, up here. Things like, well, you know, this is just what men do. This is how God made men. They're simply visual and somehow they just can't control themselves. That is a sexual heresy. Yes, we are all sexual beings, and yes, there can be a beautiful and good thing that we're attracted physically, all right, but we are given uh, the ability to have self control. The other lie is. The sexual heresy of if I just do more sex, that somehow I will keep him from being unfaithful. If I get sexier or if I import the twisted things from pornography, and I won't get into details, but there are aspects of pornography that don't represent a godly love. There are consumption, okay? There is things about pornography that are objectifying or degrading but somehow if i if i perform to this level of titillation that the pornography is and maybe i mimic what it is to be a stripper in these types of scenarios that the pornography has trained in our minds that somehow that will fix things and so pornifying your bedroom uh, is a sexual heresy that sometimes people will get into the antidote to that is to look at the loving character of God And yes, he is passionate Look at Song of Solomon There's poetry and vision in the Bible About sensuality God is can very much bless A very passionate bedroom And you want your sexual relationship To mimic the passion of God's love And the freedom and the intimacy of that And the enjoyment of that But you don't want it to mimic And take its cues from pornography so that is a sexual heresy that I see some some people have to deal with. Some other lies that I have to fix it, that somehow I have to fix my husband, and that it's all up to me to make sure that he gets into recovery. And so a wife might put up a wall of, of anger that protects her and in a way uh, inadvertently is shaming her husband into recovery. And she could get into the lie of self-righteousness. Those are some tripping points for a wife, some women, uh, whereas for other women, they will take all the blame on and will be passive. So you've got to balance these truths out with, yes, I can draw boundaries and create assertion and expect and call my husband to recovery rather than being passive. The husband, some of the lies would be, well, this is just too hard and too embarrassing. It's gone on forever, it's the way that my life will be. I I'm damaged goods. Also, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who had this or that happen. You know, that isolation is a lie and the enemy will really pick at you in isolation and in shame. I'm too far gone or things like my sexual drive is just too strong. It's always been too strong. You know, some of these these lies like this that then enable a a type of denial in the addiction to continue or it's just a man thing. My wife just can't understand. You know, it's just this is just the way it is for us men. Some of those sexual heresies that come in from the warped things that are out there and the the warped education that pornography gives. In all of this, Laura, the antidote is healthy sexuality. It's a biblical vision for a wonderful, fulfilling, and passionate relationship that's not pornified but is actually made to reflect the passion and the imagery that God intends for sex. Sex is a physical thing with a spiritual meaning. Just like the communion table, when you take the Eucharist or communion, you're holding physical cracker and physical grape juice, but it has such deep and powerful symbolism and emblematic meaning about Christ and about heaven and about where we're headed. In many ways our sexuality and what happens in the bedroom when we understand it is sacramental like that. It has an element of being a physical thing with a heavenly meaning. So the antidote to all these sexual heresies And all these kind of warped views of sexuality that our culture gives us, that pornography gives us, is the scripture itself. The Bible is the most inspiring and even mystical sexual guide out there. If you want to talk about health, look at how the Lord uses the imagery of faithfulness and of fidelity and of passion and of love for his church. He is called The bridegroom, and the church is called the bride for a very big reason, is that God has stamped his love for his people into the sexual story between a male and female in marriage. So in Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul writes, when I talk to you about marriage… I talked to you about a great mystery. I talked to you about Christ and the church. There is all of this deep level of symbolism in the passion, and there's really even a sense of ecstatic love that is privately expressed in the bedroom that speaks of the kind of full and ecstatic love that Christ has for his church.
0: That is so good, and it makes me think of another passage in the New Testament that says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. You're just giving us practical ways we can truly live that out. Are there any other helpful discoveries that you've noted over the years?
1: Many times as you are really into recovery, you'll find that the pornography use pattern, if it's been deeply ingrained, it can be a trauma repetition for the men. If a man has, real or a woman, again, we're talking in terms of man and woman. I want to keep reminding us that it's not just men who get addicted to pornography. But again, this book is written to wives. That's something that we get a lot of phone calls at Focus on the Family from wives. So with that disclaimer in place, it's Often trauma repetition, that early exposure of a sexual event of some kind where people are revisiting their sexual story through this acting out in ways they might not even be fully conscious of. So that's where taking a sexual history and getting into recovery can be really important. Also, just the understanding that pornography is a false intimacy, and when you understand true intimacy and you're pursuing the good, like you just said a moment ago, that that can displace the bad. As you learn intimacy skills, as you learn safety in relationship, then the sexual relationship starts to have meaning. What drives darkness away? It's light. You don't get better by simply saying I'm going to try harder, and don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it again. I'm going to promise I'm not going to do it tomorrow. And if I tell you, Laura, to not think about a pink elephant and avoid thinking about a pink elephant, and I leave the room, and I come back in 10 minutes, and I ask you, how would you do it not thinking about a pink elephant? You get my point, right? You can't not think about something, but you can replace it with good thinking. That is something you have to pursue healthy sexuality and redefine sexuality and learn the intimacy skills, and then you can walk away from this bondage and towards a new story. The last important thing is a little different topic here, is this idea of what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Sometimes a husband will say, you know, just we live with the gospel. Just forgive me. I promise Forgive and forget, and we'll keep going. And many times, a wife will, out of some sense of half forgiveness, not understanding forgiveness fully from Scripture, she'll kind of take this forgive and forget approach, only to have to repeat that, you know, six months or six weeks or a year from then, right? Forgiveness needs to be understood actually in three separate parts there's forgiveness, which you do out of obedience to God, you're a sinner as well, but forgiveness is not reconciliation. Step 2 is reconciliation, which is where my story and your story reconcile. They match. Okay? When you reconcile your checkbook, your balance matches what the bank says. There's a reconciliation, there's a matching of the story. So you have to go through your sexual story and reconcile. Then the third part is restoration. So you have forgiveness, then you have reconciliation, and then you have restoration. Some people will think that forgiveness is simply restoration. You forgive, and then you pretend that all is okay, and you're restored. There's actually three steps to forgiveness, and then reconciliation, and then the possibility of restoration, and restoration Can have that biblical proportion where you're better than when you started. God has restored to you double portion. You have new skills. You're back in right relationship. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean that there's safety or ability to fully restore yet because you have to go through those three stages of forgiveness, then reconciliation, then the tools of restoration. So that is a tip I want people to point out, and please read the chapter of the book about forgiveness where that is mapped out.
0: And Jeremy, I appreciate how you did bring up that reminder that this is not just a sin that men and husbands struggle with. And I'll even leave a link in the show notes back to November of 2020 when Crystal Renaud Day was our guest, and she was speaking about pornography, addiction, and meaningful recovery. From a female's perspective, and yet, like you reminded us, today's purpose is elaborating on the book Aftershock and learning what the husband and wife's journey is after the husband has shared his sexual sin. And so if a husband wants to come clean after hearing this conversation today, how would you guide him right now?
1: Well, I would say you're brave and you can do it. And it's going to be hard, but go through your entire full sexual history with a counselor, preferably, where you're taking your sexual story from childhood up to present and get a full understanding of your own sexual history if you're getting prepared to share something. And you're doing it by openness and not because you got caught or maybe, maybe you did in some ways, but you want to fully come clean. Go through your sexual history and then get some guidance on what's productive to share and how to share that with your spouse. Don't go through what we call staggered disclosure. If you want to really torture your wife with death of her heart by a thousand cuts, you trickle out this disclosure over a six-week period. And I say that facetiously. Of course you don't want to do that. Unwittingly, some men will stumble along and wound and wound and wound by small little cuts of new information that comes out every few days or every few weeks. Don't stagger your disclosure as hard as it will be. Help prepare what needs to be shared. Don't share graphic details, but share fully truthful categories of information that takes guidance from a counselor most men have been in such shame maybe even denial that they themselves don't even have a good record of their own you know sexual history and the story that they've come through depending on their level of addiction and a level of acting out you know it's going to vary but many men have, even with a quote, small things, they've been in a form of shame where they've kind of denied some of this stuff even to themselves. So, if you can get some help going through that, then in an organized way, share it. As heavy as that will feel, it's much better to share it all and for your wife to have some support around her on the day that that sharing happens, that disclosure happens, than it is to trickle out a staggered disclosure. So, align some help for her. Maybe give her a heads up that there's something important for your marriage that you want to share that you hope will eventually lead to really good things for your marriage. That's why you're doing it. But it might be a hard day and you set aside whether it's childcare or you have a counselor lined up. If she's already in counseling, you, maybe your counselor talks with her about the, the plan you know, for this disclosure. But my point is, Laura, be thorough, be planful, be humble and be brave, and um, as hard as it will be, it could be the best day of your marriage when you look back because you've gotten to the place of light and full sharing. It will be a building time afterwards. Don't expect necessarily good feelings from doing it immediately, but it's the baseline from which you grow when you make that disclosure.
0: If you've benefited in any way from the Savvy Sauce, we would love to invite you to become a patron. If every listener gave just $1 per month, it would completely offset all our production costs. We want to keep majority of our content free to the public, and one way to do that is with your help. Please consider joining Patreon today and finding out what perks you can receive for pledging $2, 5 or even $20 per month. And let's also speak to the wife whose husband is resistant to change. What guidance would you like to offer her?
1: Mm. This is hard, but intervention is key. And we have a flow chart. It's a, about page 120 in our book where we have an action plan of confrontation. The first is to present him with three non-negotiables and say, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're going to do with this use a lot of i-based language, okay? Not you-based language. You caused this, you're a problem. I can't believe you. Take a lot of i-based language, okay? And approach with these not three non-negotiables. I don't know what you're going to do with this plan, but I'm going to lay out three non-negotiables that I need to see. I need to see it because I want to call you to your very best. I am believing in you enough to draw these boundaries and I am believing in my self-worth enough to draw these boundaries because it helps protect me as well. So I'm believing in you, I'm believing in my self-worth, and I'm believing in hope for our marriage. But there's probably very little hope for change unless these three non-negotiables are started. And here they are, and you present these to him. They're in our book. He must implement immediate boundaries to prevent easy access to pornography. In other words, you need to see some visible good faith actions that he is putting speed bumps and filters and things in place that deal with the access point of whatever pattern of acting out he's had. So that might mean downgrading from a smartphone to a dumb phone, right? And how – I mean that seems impossible in today's age, right, You know, to only have a phone that makes phone calls and doesn't access the internet, but I will often tell men – for a period of time in your life, is your marriage worth and growing trust worth not having a phone with Internet access for a period of time as you learn new skills? If your marriage isn't worth you know, some inconvenience and adjustment, you probably need to evaluate some of your motivations and some of your investment. So… Some some things like that, internet filters, accountability software. Maybe if there's been an affair at the workplace, that you have to change jobs. You have to put your resume out there and be away from the person that you acted out with. I mean, show a good faith effort that immediate boundaries are beginning to be pursued. Now that's number one. Number two, he must share his struggle with other men who will. Be part of his recovery team. Be part of accountability. Know his story, okay? We say no group, no recovery. Being in a support group that's specifically geared for this, that has specific check-ins and conversations, that he must share his struggle with other men and eventually be in some kind of support group for a period of time. And then number three is that specialized counseling is sought out, again, to get to the roots that specialized counseling is something he begins to to look for, find the time, the finances to do, and that you can say as a wife, when the time is right, I'm willing to be a part of whatever that needs to look like as a couple. But right now, I need to see that you're caring for yourself. I'm going to be caring for me. You use that phrase, I'm going to be caring for me. I'm going to step back. And watch what you do with these non-negotiables, and I'll be making decisions based upon what I see in these three areas. You don't have to tell him what those decisions are. You frankly might not not even know what they they would be. (laughs) You need to go get help to discern, godly help, to discern what your options are and how long you wait and what you're watching for as you evaluate his beginning steps into recovery. He's not going to have a perfect recovery you're not asking him to be perfect immediately. You're asking him to start taking actions in these three non-negotiable areas. You're going to step back, you're going to observe, and then you're going to step into that when it's safe to do that. If there is full resistance, that's where you're going to need your counsel because there is a flow chart here of going to the church, doing some deeper intervention, and uh, calling him to repentance. And if you reach the end of that that intervention in that flowchart, and there still is a lack of repentance and a headlong movement towards the rebellion of sexual infidelity. That is where the possibility of separation, a planned and structured and clear separation in order to get his, his attention, may be necessary. And doing that under the guidance of a counselor that can structure that for you is important, as hard as that is.
0: And that's something that's just not spoken of much, and I think. That's one of the other benefits of this book is it's so actionable and truly helpful. And so one other practical topic I want to touch on, I would love to hear your recommendations for some safeguards for us to stay as far away as possible from these sexual sins that seek to entice and then destroy us. Yeah.
1: Be careful with dabbling, sticking your toe in the water of sexual content that you've rationalized is simply okay because one step can become 10 or 20 steps. And um, also being careful to hold up what you hear commonly just out, whether it's the locker room uh, talk or the way that sexuality is portrayed, hold that up to the truth of God's standards in Scripture. And see if it passes the smell test, if you will. Is this, is this a high view of sexuality? Is this a pure view of sexuality? Or is this something that is more objectifying and using people for my own benefit and pleasure? So be careful with having a standard of sexuality that comes from someplace other than our Lord and Savior, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who made, made us male and female. Uh, there's just a lot of cultural rationalization around sex. So being careful and on guard in that area. And again, using pornified sex in your marriage rather than glorified sex in your marriage. When I say glorified, I mean glorified by being informed by the image of God. And one other thing too is just as a couple, putting your sexual relationship on the shelf and just saying, you know what, this isn't working. And so we're just going to have a stalemate. Um, I'm going to not ask, but I'm also not going to be participating and somehow neglecting your sexual investment. Again, nobody causes infidelity. Nobody causes pornography use, but in an environment where sex is not – upheld as a value, a beautiful sharing in the relationship, then you're at a place where the enemy can come in and tell more lies and and offer even more temptations because you're not feasting on the good meal of God's feast. Therefore, what's in the dumpster starts to taste like it's normal. Just putting your sexual relationship on the shelf or settling in your sexuality rather than realizing this is a place in our marriage that we need to defend uh, because it's it's God's plan for us. You want to be cautious in that space.
0: And Jeremy, you have so much more wisdom to share about this area. So where can listeners learn more from you or even call to book an appointment?
1: Well, here's where I want to invite folks. I work at Focus on the Family. I direct a team of about 18 counselors who do phone consultations. It's a safe, private Confidential call. We offer consultations, 20 to 40 minute consultations where people trust us and we have resources and um, we can give you a next step, help you think about what to do next in your marriage. Whether you're dealing with a parenting issue, a marriage issue, or something uh, serious like this with sexual addiction, we are honored to come alongside and hear and to resource you and to refer you to counselors in our national network we have a focus on the family christian counselors network so grab a pencil i'm going to give you the number and some web addresses where you can take action and get voice-to-voice help in a referral 1-855-771-HELP 1-855-771-4357 you will get a call back after you schedule that consultation you make that request Uh, A counselor will call back, and we also have information at focusonthefamily.com slash get help. Focusonthefamily.com slash get help. You can request a consultation through that web portal. If you know you need counseling and you need to start looking for trained Christian professionals with different specialties in your region, you can go to our Find a Counselor tool it's online, focus focusonthefamily.com slash findacounselor. Those are people that, uh, although we don't know each of them personally, they have filled out a screening packet about their training, their faith, their values. And uh, we um, have looked at that carefully, and it's better than just guessing in the yellow pages, you know, counselor, who do I call? These people have said um, we have – Training in various areas and our values align with that of the uh, organization. Focus on the family. So, those are some tools. If you want to begin to take action, we also want to send you resources on the topic that you are needing. So, Focus on the family is is privileged to be donor supported and is a, a resource giant. We we have so much here from our 40 year plus history of resources that we can connect you with. Whether it's a book like Aftershock or other things that you may be dealing with and you need a resource for 1-855-771-HELP. Laura really would be privileged if folks in your audience would let us come alongside and get them connected with what they need.
0: I do want to encourage everyone with that next step and we will also provide links in our show notes and on our resources tab in case someone's driving and can't write this down right now we just want to make this all easily accessible. And, Jeremy, you may be familiar. We are called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or discernment. And so as my final question for you today, what is your savvy sauce?
1: Wow. The Lord's plan for healthy sexuality is the antidote and the vision and the motivator. You know, if I had been taught... What I've grown to understand through my years of counseling, if I had been taught this in my young adulthood or teen years, I think I could have even avoided a lot of my own personal pain. And that is that being male and female, our bodies and our sexuality, we are a living, walking symbol of the gospel. The body actually tells the story of the gospel. Male and female, he made them to be one. Or even to devote our sexuality to God in singleness. And that how I steward sexuality, how I grow in intimacy in my marriage is really all about an icon or an emblem or a symbol or a little symbolic story of the gospel. Jesus himself married the church by coming onto the cross. He consummated with the church by giving all of his life for her. He wed himself to her, and through our own physical stewardship that our bodies tell the story of the gospel, that we are to have one God and we are only to have one spouse. There are so many things about our sexuality, our physicality that has a heavenly and spiritual meaning. When you can cast that vision and when you can learn to see that coming out of pornography and coming out of lesser uh, sexual behaviors to greater, more meaningful sexual behaviors, that is the savvy sauce. That is the truth. That is the vision for recovery. And, you know, there are other great resources out there that build on this aftershock. Book when it comes to getting a bigger vision for sexuality. I I don't mind mentioning a couple of them. Rethinking Sexuality by Dr. Julie Slattery. You've probably had her on this program. Great vision for a higher view of sexuality. Her book, Rethinking Sexuality. And for those that um, like to study, theology of the body is a body of work, theology of the body, which creates this idea. It, it lays out this vision for what it means to be human, made in God's image. And there are lecturers, teachers that teach about theology of the body. Christopher West is one of those at ChristopherWest.com. And just coming to understand a bigger view, a bigger vision of health is the savvy sauce. It is the antidote. It's what God is calling us to. And you can get there from a place of brokenness because we're all broken in many ways. And God is calling us to the fountain of learning and redemption where we can drink of his free water. It's there for us. His grace is there for us. And no matter how low your view of sexuality and your trappedness in it has, has been, he is always there to redeem. You read John chapter 4 how he interacted, Jesus interacted with the woman at the well. He was calling her to him even in the midst of her known sexual sin. He looks at all of us that way. He says, "Come to me, I'm the living water." In that big view of sexuality, that living water, the grand narrative of healthy sexuality that God gives is possible to understand and to live into.
0: Yes, and amen. I'm just in awe of this time and this conversation because it's such a heavy and sad topic. And so it felt very dark to cover this, though I knew it was so necessary. And yet you've just repeatedly pointed us back to the gospel and made it the most hope-filled, encouraging conversation. You handled this topic with gentleness and utmost care So, Jeremy, thank you very much for being my guest today.
1: It's an honor to be your guest and to God be the glory. He is a graced based Lord helping us come closer and closer to him, even from these dark places. God bless your listeners. Thank you for what you're doing on talking about such important resources.
0: One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.